not long now until the exams. And this is a time when nerves can get frayed, when tensions can run high. This is the stage of revision that is most marked by the rhetorical question. Like my personal favourite, shouldn't you be revising? Wouldn't it be great if there were answers out there for the issues that plague us? Hello and welcome to the Study Sessions podcast. I'm Nathan, founder of The Study Buddy and your host. In this, our third season of the podcast, we're chatting with parents, students and teachers to hear how things are going. Specifically, we're interested in the highs and lows, the trials and tribulations in the run-up to exams in 2022. We'll be covering everything from trouble getting going to burning the candle at both ends. From overzealous and anxious students to those who are underperforming, yet still nonchalant. Through these shared real-world experiences, I hope that you'll take some comfort that you're not alone. And perhaps, more importantly, I hope that you'll take away some insights and advice that can help you to support your own team, so that they'll not just survive the exams, but thrive in the preparation. So, if you're a parent, a carer, or a teacher, be sure to subscribe. This week, we'll be talking through some of the most common questions that we at the Study Buddy get asked about revision and the run-up to exams. But rather than simply blurt out what I think, we've got a real live team captured here in the studio in the form of my lovely daughter, Emily, who will be sharing the student perspective as well. Em, delighted to have you on the podcast again, against your will, but this is the price you pay for pizza. <laughs> so what we're going to do is, as I say, go through these questions, just chat about it. But first, you've had school today, back in Easter term, your exams starting a few days away. How was your day? It was good. I made just revision at the moment. So is that, have you finished now the content on all of your courses? Yes, so no more new content. So have you covered it? Because I, as I remember from your school like, teachers' evenings, the last thing that we did, I think physics said that there was still some more to do. But now everything's everything's been done. Well, we were just revising today, but he wasn't in today. Okay. So I think we have covered everything now, though. Yeah. So how are you feeling? Are you sort of feeling a bit more confident about it? Maybe a bit. I remember the recent stuff. It's just the stuff last year I need to do. <laughs> and how are you finding that balance? Are you doing, do you think you're doing a sort of a good amount at home uh, to complement what's going on at school? That's not a leading question. <laughs> <laughs> not going not gonna to start making you do more based on what you say for this. Well, I'm not sure. I would like to say yes. I probably should be doing a bit more. I take it back. I am absolutely going to no, make sure you do more. No, it's too late now. <laughs> So, as I said, what we're going to do in this episode is we're going to look at some of the common questions rather than grill you, because we did that in a, in a previous episode, which was great. <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to look at some of the common questions that come in and just have a chat. So I'll give my perspective based on obviously being dad of a, of a GCSE facing teen and uh, founder of the study buddy. But it'd be, I think it was going to be really interesting to have your take on this too. And what said on the podcast stays on the podcast. No recriminations, I promise. So one of the most common questions that we get, probably time and time again, is how much should my son or daughter be studying? And I think this is a really tricky one. And certainly we found it, I think, that it's difficult to know because there seems like there's an awful lot to do, like a mountain of work. But at the same time, you don't want to spend all your evenings 
working and revising on weekends. And actually, it's just not healthy to do that anyway. So whenever I get posed that question, I always say it's about the individual. It's about finding out how much the team can take on comfortably. And not comfortably as in an hour is comfortable and then the rest of the evening is free because there is still an amount of pressure that's that's there because there, there is this this amount of work to do so when we when we did it with the system the, the study value system we started off quite light as i remember maybe just one session at an evening and maybe one or two at the weekend the whole point of that being to then review at the end of the week and see how it had gone and then look back do you think that's a fair assessment that, that you start off quite light and but then sort of review it and sort of my role was to challenge you to see if you felt comfortable doing a bit more yeah and how do you feel now so at the moment because we are knocking on the door of exams and without wanting to build up sort of stress and pressure and anxiety and, and all of that there is still an amount of work to go through so at the moment you're doing what two three units of so topics um, within each subject when you get back from school so about that yeah probably about that and how does that feel does that feel comfortable does it feel like you're eating into all of your free time well it's not great but no amount of revising would be great no which i think is also fair isn't it that this and it's it's not the kind of thing you're going to rush home from school and think yay i really want to (laughs) do some additional trigonometry or um, transport in cells but you accept that you've I have to. Yes. You have to. So there is, there's sort of this goal at the end to, yes. to do as well as you can. And so against that backdrop, how does two or three things of an evening feel? Well, I like to have a break as soon as I come back from school because, you know, I've been revising all day in school with only two breaks because normally you have like a break between subjects. Mm. But I think it's okay. And each one of those you tend to do what about 45 minutes yeah about that yeah and then with a bit of a break and also what we tried to do recently which i really liked actually was doing your flashcards, your cue cards when i was making dinner yes <laughs> which is quite nice because although it, i think you quite like the the fact that i embarrass myself with more wrong answers than right answers definitely does help <laughs> <laughs> it seemed like a good way of sort of going back over that content but without you being sort of isolated at a desk and um sort of just turning your way through it yes and so do you think that we should try to find a way of doing more of those kinds of things building in sort of paired up in in so far as it's practical yeah it's also good because when we do things like maths with each other a lot I'm like forced to focus because normally the cat comes in me and I get a little bit distracted but I'm not allowed to do that when you're there no oh that's really (laughs) interesting so I, I obviously knew that you you are um, prone to distraction because yes. you are, after all, a chip off the old block. <laughs> and, and we do like to chase sort of butterflies around the room. But actually, it's, it's quite interesting. So having someone else there, me or your mum, helps to keep you sort of more on the um, on the straight and narrow. Yeah, I can't get away with that when you're there. Not so much. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, there's something I think that we'll have to look to oh, build I'm in a bit more. I'm going to sit in my study just on the sofa now, just watching me. <laughs> well, it'll be more difficult to more difficult to cook from where you do your revision. But yeah, yeah certainly, I think it's it. There's always stuff to do, isn't there? So, mum's reading papers for work, or I'm just doing, so if it helps to have someone there almost policing, <laughs> then I'm sure we can find a way of doing that. Great. <laughs> but going back to that question about how much should be done, 
So, so it really is tricky. I think it's it's about levels of motivation. It's also about levels of energy. It's about finding that right balance, which is why for me having that sort of weekly catch up was so important because you could look back and as a parent, try to nudge and maybe encourage a little bit more work if, if we thought it was possible. But also similarly from the other perspective, I mean, there, is, there are students out there who will be really overzealous doing an awful lot of work out there. And that's also a good time to check in as sort of mum, dad or grandparent or carer or whoever and suggest maybe dialing it down a bit if it looks like it's all getting too much. Because the last thing that we want is, of course, to build up levels of anxiety more than, um, more than is healthy. Fab, so moving on, um, we have another one. I, I particularly like this one. Although I'm not sure, to be fair, it applies to you so much. Parents will say that their teens say that they're working, say that they're doing their revision, working hard. I've been here for an hour. Uh, but actually, if you ever you walk past them, it just seems that they're on their phone. I think this one's a really, really interesting one. Because you've got the fact that I'm an old fart. <laughs> so <laughs> actually, I'm just not used to that social connection that the phone gives you so I, I do get it that, that the phone isn't just one type of device it's what I don't know it has but it is a connection to the outside world but at the same time it is it can be really really distracting yeah so one of the things that we did early on although I'm not really sure how well we've stuck to it if I'm honest was that you don't have your phone when you're doing your revision given the distractions with the cat how do you find working with your phone nearby if it is there my phone isn't too bad. I mainly just use it to like Google some of the answers I if I don't know. But I don't really go on it because I have it on the night shift for school anyway and I just keep it on it so I don't get notifications. And so you don't find it sort of a lure to worry about or wonder if so and so's commented or replied to a a snap or no. All these other things that I, I show my age over. Because <laughs> actually the phone is also something that you've used before. So if we've gone on a long journey then you can use your phone for Seneca or for others. So actually it can be quite useful, can't it? Yeah. So do you think you're quite good at self-moderating? Uh, yeah, the, my phone isn't what distracts me. It's just like other random stuff. Okay. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and so actually thinking about the ways in which you revise then. So last week's episode was with Kate Jones. That was amazing. That really looked at some of the kinds of techniques that, students could be using and that, that parents might be able to help out with and so it's quite interesting so I mean it's I, the question sort of is phrased around the phone but also I think it is about the the kinds of approaches that that teens have and that sometimes you can default to watching like YouTube videos and it feels quite safe it feels quite easy to do but isn't actually sort of achieving an awful lot do you recognize that if you were to just sit there with a video playing about something in chemistry or or geography that it's it's not as productive do you feel that I think it depends because if you're trying to understand something but not like revise something you already know then I think it can be quite helpful because they explain it well but if you're revising it then I don't think it's very helpful because you just forget it afterwards so when you're watching those videos for a sort of a, a refresher and I think that's a, a, a great way of using the videos or even looking back over notes for the, the same kind of effect do you take notes while you're doing it or is it does it tend to be quite specific sometimes I do if they make like a mind map then I might like write it down as well because hmm. actually the other the other I say the other day but it might have been the other week um you were looking at 
Macbeth, because English literature, I think it's fair to say, isn't, oh, yeah. isn't one of your um, favourite or strongest subjects. I know you like the subject. I mean, you were watching a video for that, weren't you? And yeah, I was doing the themes. I was writing the notes on for that. Hmm. And is that notes and cue cards, or is, sort of, is that just part of a, like almost like a distillation process? Start off with big, yeah. low-key talking on YouTube and work it down to your notes and then your flashcards. Yeah, so it was, I was just writing it down in my book. But I guess I could make flashcards. I didn't really think about it, but mm. yeah. Well, the thing English literature can be a bit trickier. Can't certainly themes can be a bit yeah. trickier on flashcards, unless one of your flashcards is the themes of Macbeth. <laughs> <laughs> and then on the back, you've yeah. got an entire book. Well, you could just write the like the title with no detail. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good idea. I always thought that one of the things that could do with flashcards. As you, well, as you definitely know, I'm like a big fan of flashcards and cue cards, having spoken to previous guests about it, was sort of that quotes idea that you could either have impartial, incomplete quotes on one side and you've got to try and remember what the quote is and also what it's for. So something I was hoping that we might be able to do at the weekend over Inspector Calls, get some Mr Burling's quotes going based oh. on what you've already done. Great. <laughs> But that is, I mean, that's a key thing, isn't it? Because you need to be able to sort of call on these. There are so many themes and so many different contexts. You can't just go in with two or three, I presume, and um, and sort of have a surefire way that you could be able to use them. Could you turn through really good ones that cover every single theme so you know the questions, so like for any questions, you'll be good? Is that actually possible? Is that a top tip? Have you heard that here first? (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't think so. Don't take that from me. Kids, we're not advocating <laughs> two themes, uh, two quotes. And how important do you think it is to mix up the the sort of style or the different types of revision that you're doing? I think it's good. I get bored if I'm just writing notes from like a textbook. Ooh. But then it's like, could do Seneca online and that's slightly more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> get pictures of that one. <laughs> so, and again, I, I quite like that. I quite... And it seems to me that the the more variety there is, it keeps you interested. It may not may not necessarily be having any sort of more demonstrable impact on your, your recollection, but if you can mix it up a bit with mind maps and blurting and sort of flashcards and videos as well, if you're if you're solving particular problems, then these are the kinds of things that can help in the long run kind of when they when yeah. you actually come to your exam. So one of the other things that we also hear a lot about is. Uh, and I suppose it follows on a bit from talking about keeping energy up and keeping things interested, is that um, often we'll hear that teens just don't seem to care at all. And is there anything that parents can do in, in that case? I think it's fair to say you're not, well, you're not particularly motivated to knock it out of the park to get eights and nines. That's never been your thing, is it? How are you finding your levels of motivation coming up to the exam? Mm, well, to be honest, I don't really have any motivation. Because, like, it would be great to get all nines, of course, but... It's an oddity, isn't it? Because you've got... You know you want to do well. You know you want to get these, like, good marks or the best marks that you can. But actually, it does just feel so tedious, doesn't it? Do you... Do you sometimes I get the sense that it's... I mean, you're, you're really good, don't get me wrong. And you, you do go and do the work if it's on the board. Nine times out of ten. Ninety-nine times out of a hundred, you tend to plow on and, and just get on with yeah. it. Yeah. But it's not something that you would find sort of naturally easy to do, is it? No, if I just had like a spare hour on my own, I would never just think to go and do some revision. Hmm. If it's scheduled, it's different because I like I have to do it. But 
I would never just think to do it and would just do it on my own. What we hear from parents a lot of the time is actually that their children, and typically sons, boys, actively avoid it. So if there's any revision to do, then it can become quite drama. Or they'll kick it into the long grass and say, yeah, I'm going to do it, but I'll do it later. And I think I'm reminded of a really interesting episode that we had with Mark Roberts. And he talked about this almost sense of denial that you can get into where you say, well, if I haven't actually, if I haven't tried, I haven't actually failed. And so I I definitely don't think that's the kind of thing that you do, Emily, but but you can see it. And with Jake, absolutely that case (laughs) when it came to his English, that it was almost um, not going to do any work. And so whatever result I get isn't actually a reflection on, on me. And that can be really hard, I think. Yeah, I do get that. The more I work for a test, the more it's like put on it. Because if I then fail, it's like, well, I did everything I can and I've still failed. So, (laughs) And it is so interesting, isn't it? Because you you do, you're sort of putting your neck on the line. I mean, it's quite brave, I think, in some ways to to give it your all. Because as you say, that's sort of almost like an indication of, it can feel like an indication of how good you are. Which yeah. is really unfair, though, isn't it? Because you've got so many other things, like the questions on the on the paper itself, journey you have in, all of these kinds of things. All you can do is, is prepare your best to do your best in the circumstances and know that, I guess, that actually there's nothing in this that's life and death. We've always been really keen, and I hope that, well, you do know that, I'm sure, I know you know that, not to put too much pressure on. Yeah. There's nothing that can happen here that's insurmountable if you were to fail something that you wanted then you can reset it's that kind of thing it's just um, trying to avoid making it unnecessarily difficult for you so when we look at sort of students or uh, children that don't that genuinely aren't motivated to do or seem to actively have checked out what we try to do is talk about it in terms of them bettering themselves and and the competition against themselves often you'll hear that uh, the children who, who fall foul of this belief that, that um, they just don't need to try, they're not going to bother, it's not important, will also think that school aren't supporting them or that the teachers just don't believe in them and all of these kinds of things. And it can become really uh, sort of destructive, I think. And so getting to think, well, prove them wrong. Prove, your, prove what you can do to yourself can become in itself a, a bit of a spur. But you need to catch it quite quickly. Certainly at this point, because otherwise the exams are, are, are going to be there. You're going to wake up in the morning and, and not prepared. And, and that, I think, is a, is a dangerous precedent to set for exams. So trying to find that motivation is key. And what we had, certainly with Jake, in the absence of motivation, was discipline. Just set up the structures. Just get it in place. Timetable it. And if you can get... You know, son or daughter to agree to that kind of timetable then that can help and as you said um, that you're not you're not particularly driven to do it it's not the most exciting thing in the world you want to do well of course but actually knowing it's knowing it's there knowing it's scheduled actually reduces some of those barriers doesn't it to, to help you just crack on yeah and then once you've done it how does that affect your confidence? Sort of content confidence, not not self confidence. Well, if I do it and I understand it, and if I then went to a past paper and could do the questions on it, I would feel better. Hmm. But if I did it and then I just knew I would forget it in like a, 
like a week or a day or whatever, then I don't know, it probably wouldn't help that much. <laughs> but would you say something? Would you say something to your teachers if, or to, to me or your mum if you were sort of revising something and it wasn't sticking? Would you ask for help or would you just sort of carry on battling one on your own? I think I would just carry on. And I think it's interesting because obviously we try to be as supportive as we can, but it is, it's still it's still a solo endeavour, isn't it? I mean, it's still all about you. You need to be comfortable with what it is that you're doing and, and sort of finding that way through. Yes. <laughs> so one of the other things that is a common trap, I think, that uh, students can fall into, and certainly something that we hear a lot from parents, is whether or not a student is focusing on one subject too much or, quite often, avoiding one subject entirely this tends to be i don't know like a language or a humanities if they're not if they're not particularly keen on it so you will often find that certainly as you get closer to the exams that most students will focus on the subjects that they enjoy and that they like because they feel good about themselves so they're doing a past paper or they're doing a quizlet or a seneca they're answering the questions sort of a bit of a buzz i've, I've got this i feel good and you want that feeling, don't you? You want to be able to think that you're managing it, that, it, that it's all under control. But of course, what you do need to do as well is tackle those subjects that you don't like so much, that you're finding a bit more difficult to do. So with you, Em, I don't think we have, or you have a problem of avoiding any subjects, do you? Am I, am I missing uh, that? Well, if I was to avoid one, it would definitely be English literature. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not one I would choose to do. No. But we make sure through the board. Yeah, I like to get all the colours on the board. Exactly right. It's really (laughs) easy to spot then, isn't it? You go, oh, hang on a minute. This week you're avoiding English literature entirely. We need to do something about that. Yeah, I'm also just not very good at revising English. Hmm. Like, I'll revise it. I'll make notes, watch YouTube videos. But it just, it doesn't stay with me. Hmm. Like, it just leaves as soon as I've done it. Do you think then that's a a case of needing to do more of it? I don't think so. What I mean to say is not, I didn't mean more effort. I meant to bring it back because as you say, you can sometimes sort of do the board and, and not have any English literature in there. Whereas if you had sort of your Macbeth themes that you did, say it was last week, and then another session this week to recap on your things you're you're fighting that forgetting curve aren't you so you're sort of prompting yourself you're you're helping yourself to remember a bit more so maybe the answer lies in revisiting maybe that's something we we sort of dig out those cue cards or those themes when i'm chopping onions yeah i need to make them first but you're sure (laughs) as i say i think just sort of finding those bits and especially if you know that it's one that you're avoiding like english literature it becomes even more important i think to to sort of make sure it's it's part of that mix. And similarly, I don't think you're really particularly guilty of focusing on one subject more than one other, with a small exception that I think if you find yourself with time when you've got to be revising, and I'll say to you, maybe you should be doing some revision, that you might default to doing maths. I do like maths. Maths is probably my favourite. But... Is that your favourite subject or your favourite subject to revise? Huh, depends. Sometimes I don't like the new subject we're learning, but I don't know. I also like the Hegarty maths thing, though. It makes it it's really easy. Hmm. 
easy to sort of work your way through, but actually still challenging because... Oh, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. And what was it you were doing the other day? Vectors or scalars or something? Uh, yeah, something like that. And it's not the kind of thing where you, you're you not doing it because it comes like a hot knife through butter. You, you're actually having to apply yourself and work to it. Yeah. But if you're stuck, then Mr. Hegarty will... got the helpful video. ...will explain it all with yeah. his helpful videos. Yeah. Do you think you're doing your maths more than because of the ease of that sort of that whole setup of revision? It's just frictionless. You can open up your laptop or uh, or whatever device it is that you're using it for, and you can know that you've got everything you need: questions, f- immediate feedback because it tells you if you're right or wrong, and support if you need it. Yeah. I guess. I do also just, I like maths. Mm. Like, I enjoy, I don't enjoy doing it. But if I was to do one, that's the one I would, like, enjoy the most. Yeah. Because I just, I find it really satisfying to get an answer right. Mm. Especially with algebra, because I think it looks really hard. And, like, I just solved it. <laughs> <laughs> especially when, because I, I can do the algebra. I can't yeah. do the vectors and the scales. <laughs> but especially when someone comes along your mum for algebra and is completely baffled by this collection yeah. of numbers and letters i think there are a lot of parents out there who would absolutely have forgotten far more yeah. about algebra than they will ever have remembered yeah so i think that's the key isn't it it's it is still about making sure you get the balance and actually if there is a subject you're avoiding find a way in which you can flag it and highlight it quickly so our system obviously uses the colors but there are other ways in which you could do it just to just sort of a check, a quick visual reference point to see whether or not you've got your enough English literature or maybe too much maths. One of the most common questions that we get asked is about managing time and how can we as parents help our students manage their time because an awful lot of them will put everything off until the last minute. Wow, and this is, I mean, this is the big one, I think, and this is the crux. It's about about knowing what it is that you've got to do and knowing how much time you've got to do it in order to be able to do it. And the whole of the study buddy system is built on that premise that you, you break down your big stuff into uh, into smaller topics that you can schedule uh, between now and then. Obviously, where we are now, exams are looming. So actually, it might not be, we might be getting to that point where it might not be possible to go through sort of entire courses. So the key thing at this point in knowing what it is that you've got to do is to prioritise your work and to really make sure that you know the areas that you need to you need to focus on. Some of that might be about the way in which your teen feels about the subject. So Emily knows that she is not strong or particularly confident in English literature, and so it becomes clear that that's an area to focus on. But more often than not, the best advice is always to talk to teachers to find out if the advanced information has revealed that they're not going to focus on a particular area, but also your teacher will know your student, um, your child, and be able to sort of highlight those areas of uh, focus. And also, although it can feel like time is running out, mostly because obviously it is, there is also a lot of schools that do sort of study sessions um, or study breaks, don't they? So students are doing work from home. And those who aren't, uh, like with Emily's school, actually, they do an awful lot of revision and recapping at this point, which is then being sort of consolidated by, by whatever's happening at home. So how are you feeling about the amount of time that's left, Em? Well, wouldn't say it's great. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know, especially because 
my first one is geography, which just has so much content. Mm. Paper one in particular is case okay. studies. Yeah, a lot of case studies. <laughs> a lot of case studies in geography. Yeah. Um, that's an IGCSE that your school does, so that's why that it's one's earlier, yeah. so much earlier. And your because then your second it's exam also geography. is also geography. So yeah. you've got paper two. Is it the following week? It is. It's a week after. But your exam period is actually quite long. So you've got, I think, is it from the first one to the last one? You must have a, a couple of it's months because your first, your last one's middle of June. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's better, though. It just, I mean, it spreads out, drags hmm. out. Which is the other side, isn't it? Because although it's, well, it's good that you've got more time so you can target your revision around the subjects that you've got and the exam papers that you've got coming up. It also, I mean, you almost want this over and done with, don't you? So you can then sort of focus on what will be a phenomenal summer holiday period. <laughs> yes, that would be very nice. Mm. But for my mocks, it was over two weeks. So that was pretty horrendous. My most was, I think, four in one day. Mm. And they're all about two hours. So I would get out of one, especially because I have extra time. So people would have a break, but then I would go directly into yeah. the next one which was very hard going my brain was totally fried at the end yeah so i mean i think that's interesting as well about the mocks so because as you say you yes i mean it's so compressed because schools just can't run their mock exam periods like an exam board would because there's it, because of the level of disruption to teaching and to and to other classes as well so do you think that your mocks were a good test run for the final exams how did you find them well i found them quite good they were quite okay with mine I was quite happy with my results but I think it obviously didn't have all the content because we hadn't even finished it no. yet but especially physics there was only like two topics in there so I'm not really sure if I trust what I got on my mark mm. because it's so much more on this one and the process of going through the exams and having those mocks so it's a little bit different because you had in some cases four which is I'm crazy isn't it you, yeah. you you people don't have four exams in one day it just doesn't happen do you think that it's given you a better insight in how to deal with the level of stress and sort of nervousness you might feel when you go into exams it definitely did because I was more stressed for my mocks than I am right now for my real ones mm. I think it might partly be because I think I'm still in denial that I'm actually going to be taking them but that will hit me later so it's fine <laughs> That they are happening. Yes, I know. <laughs> I do know that. So just something inside of me hasn't quite clicked yet. <laughs> it's always really lovely to have Em on the podcast, especially as she's not, truth be told, particularly keen on doing it with me. But I hope you found this episode interesting, and I hope that it answered some of the questions that maybe you've been asking yourself or perhaps that you've been asking your team. But also, just so that you know, you're always really welcome to get in touch if there's something that's playing on your mind, whether that's about this year's exams or next year's exams or exams at some point beyond that. Anything to do with time management, with revision, if we can help, please do drop me a line. My thanks go to Emily for coming back on the show. I'm sure I'm going to find out what that will have cost me as, as soon as I've finished recording. And of course, my thanks to you for listening. If you'd like to be on a future episode and share how things are going, 
or perhaps talk about that thing that is playing on your mind, please do drop me an email. The address is hello at thestudybuddy.com. And if you're looking for ways that you can help support your own young person to fulfill their potential in their revision, then why not head over to the Study Buddy website? There you'll find a whole host of information about our innovative time management and study organising approach. And you'll also find a blog that's packed full of useful articles, hints and tips. To find out more, simply make a beeline for thestudybuddy.com. I hope that you found this episode interesting and useful. And if you did, I wonder if you'd mind leaving us a review and, if it's not too much to ask, a five-star rating. It all helps us to reach other parents who, just like the rest of us, are trying to make some sense of it all in the run-up to the exams. Of course, please don't forget to share the link to this and other episodes on your social media weapon of choice. It's all greatly appreciated. There'll be another episode next week, so please don't forget to follow and subscribe to the Study Sessions podcast.